Good morning, Orlando. Great to be back with you here at 6 o'clock on a Tuesday morning as we give you our very first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic right here, right now for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning President Trump responds to criticism of his summit with Putin, and Florida's U.S. senators also weigh in. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. I spent a lot of time proudly riding the Trump train, but that was a derailment and a bad one in Helsinki. Let's talk about it next on Good Morning Orlando. Good Tuesday morning at 6.01 on News Radio 1025. President Trump has a response to bipartisan criticism of his summit with Russian President Vladimir Putin. Trump tweeted that the U.S. cannot only focus on the past. He argued that the U.S. and Russia are the world's two largest nuclear powers and must get along. Trump also claimed that he has, quote, great confidence in my intelligence people, end quote. However, during a news conference with Putin in Helsinki, Trump seemed to cast more doubt on Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. I was shocked when I heard what I heard, and we'll play that cut you alluded to and several others in a moment, and we'll open up the phones and the text line. I think there's only three explanations for why the president did what he did yesterday. I'll lay them out, and we'll talk about them, Deb. Florida's U.S. senators are not on board with President Trump's refusal to accept the consensus of U.S. intelligence agencies that Russia interfered in the 2016 election. Democrat Bill Nelson called Trump's comments at that news conference in Helsinki with Vladimir Putin alarming, embarrassing, and unacceptable. He urged Congress to enact additional economic sanctions on Russia and suggested freezing the bank accounts of some of Russia's most senior leaders. Republican Marco Rubio said if the U.S. doesn't acknowledge and punish what Putin did, his next attack will be bolder, more brazen, and far more damaging. For his part, though, Russian President Vladimir Putin maintains his country has never interfered with American domestic affairs. However, during an interview with Fox News, he defended the hacking of emails from the Democratic National Committee during the 2016 presidential campaign. Putin said that none of the hacked information was falsified and that Americans deserve to know that DNC leadership was tipping the scales in favor of Hillary Clinton during the primaries. When asked if Russia had some sort of incriminating information on President Trump, This was what I found alarming. Putin said Trump was below Russia's radar before the campaign. Putin said there was no indication that Trump would actually run for president. In other words, he never answered the question. No, he didn't. And we'll hear him not exactly answer the question in a few moments. Meanwhile, a Russian national is charged with being a spy for Moscow and the U.S. Maria Butina is also charged with trying to influence U.S. politics. CNN says Butina was involved with a Russian gun group that is supported by the National Rifle Association. She was arrested over the weekend. In other news, a timeline is set for the trial of the accused Parkland school shooter. Nicholas Cruz faces a possible death sentence for the killings of 17 people at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in February. A Broward County judge yesterday proposed a September 2019 start date for Cruz's trial of Nicola of Cruz's trial. The judge also heard arguments on whether statements Cruz made to detectives following his arrest should be made public. The teen's lawyers, though, say releasing those statements could, uh, could taint a potential jury pool. Back closer to home, a pregnant woman is dead and two children wounded after a shooting in Orange County. The sheriff's office says one vehicle was chasing another in Pine Hills yesterday afternoon. The driver of the vehicle being pursued, 21-year-old Imelda Francois, 
was shot and killed. A 13-year-old was injured in the arm, and a 10-month-old was grazed by a bullet as well. Witnesses told deputies they saw a white older model Chevrolet Malibu sedan with two black male occupants leaving the scene. And finally, the boxer nicknamed Money. Turns out it's true. It's the world's highest paid entertainer. The annual Forbes Celebrity 100 list shows Floyd Mayweather pulled in $285 million from June of 2017 through last month. Oscar-winning actor-producer and entrepreneur George Clooney is second with earnings of $239 million. Reality TV star and makeup brand owner Kylie Jenner is third, followed by TV jurist Judge Judy and action movie star Dwayne The Rock Johnson. WFLA News Time at 6.06, and you can read about a Marine veteran walking across the country to raise awareness about PTSD. Get the details online at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Deb, how do I look? Fabulous as usual. All right. I did survive the um, the Trump train derailment in Helsinki. I'm a little bit beat up, a little bit roughed up here. but um, Every American is. Well, I, I, I think most are. Normally, you might expect me to try to find a way to defend the president because I think he's brought a lot of good to the office that this country needs as, as you know, sometimes his personal behavior, et cetera. Makes me a little bit crazy, but he's gotten a lot done that I think needed to get done. But I will always be intellectually honest with you. I will always tell you what I believe. And I find no good in the approach the president took, which surprised his closest aides when he just refused to criticize the the Russian leader, Putin, who is a thug, a killer, um, ran the KGB, the worst of the worst in many, many ways. And I don't understand when he's willing to put his arms around our allies at one moment and punch them in the face because they need it the next, why he put his arms around Putin yesterday and he would not punch him in the face despite the fact that it was warranted and it was needed. What's going on here? I have only three possible explanations. The third one is the one I fear the most. I'll share it with you here in a moment. Whether you're for Trump in general or not, let yourself be intellectually honest and tell me how you reacted to what happened in that summit. Dev has helped set the table for our coverage to get you up to speed. I have selected a number of cuts Yaffe's put together with me here that we will share in a moment from the Trump-Putin summit in Helsinki. 407-916-5400, join the conversation early, or you can text us at 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. Yaffe, thanks for a great job hosting in my absence yesterday. He's in the control room executive producing this morning. Steph will be taking your calls, 407-916-5400. You have got to have something on your mind and heart to say in the wake of what happened in Helsinki. Let's hear it. 407-916-5400, text 23680. We'll dive in right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Keep in mind, it isn't just the anti-Trump media machine. It isn't just 
Trump derangement syndrome running rampant against the Democrats who would trash him for the summit no matter what happened. It is some rock-solid Republican Trump supporters as well who are aghast at how the president given an opportunity to come down on the side of the findings of all the intelligence apparatus in this country that Russia, Putin's Russia, meddled in the 2016 election. He was asked that question at the summit uh, news conference yesterday in Helsinki, Finland. Let's listen to a couple of sound cuts before we get into some conversation. On the issue of whether Russia interfered in the 2016 presidential election, a reporter asked the president who he believes. The U.S. intelligence experts, including his hand-picked director of national intelligence, conservative Republican Dan Coats, who say, yes, they meddled, or Putin, who says they didn't. My people came to me, Dan Coats came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, He just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. So I have great confidence in my intelligence people. But uh, I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today. I was just shocked that given the choice, he went with Putin. You know, I mean, the head of the KGB at one point, the guy's a killer. He's a professional liar. I mean, and how would you not come down on the side of what your people have found, whether whether it is the Republican-led intel committees in both the House or the Senate, whether it is whether it is the various intelligence agency headed by Coates, who's a very reliable pro-Trump conservative guy. I don't believe he has a dishonest bone in his body. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the first to resign over this. What was going on here? I believe there are only three possible explanations. I'll share what I think in a moment, and we'll see what you think. Let's go back to the sound cuts now, Yaffe. Putin asked whether he wanted Trump to win the election and whether he directed his people to help him do that. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Because he talked about bringing the U.S.-Russia relationship back to normal. Aha, but Putin said he told Trump during their meetings that Russia didn't meddle in the election. President Trump mentioned the issue of the so-called interference of Russia in the American elections. And I had to reiterate things I said several times, including during our personal context, that the Russian state has never interfered and is not going to interfere into internal American affairs, including election process. I think there are only three possible explanations for Trump behaving in a way that none of his closest aides reportedly expected him to. You know, he punched our allies in the face at NATO when they needed it, but then embraced him and said, ultimately, we're moving forward together. Well, he wouldn't punch Putin in the face, and it concerns me. He says he wants open dialogue, and you don't want to shut it down. Are you kidding me? Putin Putin wouldn't even notice if he got punched in the face. I, I I think he needed to be out there, not on Putin's side, but on... On, on America's side, and it didn't feel that way. In the name of open dialogue, he took that approach yesterday. I just have such a problem buying that. I think there may be a measure of truth to the idea that, wait a minute, if he concedes and blasts Putin for, 
meddling in the 2016 election, that it delegitimizes his victory, and his ego just can't handle that. And the third, the third concerns me the most. Is it possible that Putin really has something on Trump? I hate to think that. I'd sure love to have been a fly on the wall when they talked in private with only translators for two hours. That actual question came up at the summit uh, news conference, and I will play the cut for you in a moment. Um, I'm on the Trump train, and I am still on it, but we have to put it back on the track because that was a bad derailment in Helsinki, and I will not call it anything other than what I saw it to be. How do you feel about it? What was your reaction to it? And what would the president's motivation be for the comments he made that have created such a firestorm literally across America and the world and certainly here domestically across the political spectrum, okay? 407-916-5400, join me. Text line 23680. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. President Trump's too tough, too strong. You know, he knows that NATO's not going to fold. We're not going to lose our alliances with the likes of Great Britain and Germany, etc. for roughing them up and punching them in the face and talking bluntly to them about where they fall short. He's been the master at that. He needed to hit Putin with that and not fear, because there's no reason to fear, that Putin would suddenly just get up and walk away from the table. Russia needs us far more than we need them. What about the issue of maybe, just maybe, Putin has something on Trump that can't come out, or Trump believes that he does. That came up in a reporter question at the summit news conference. Yeah, I did heard these rumors that we allegedly collected compromising material on Mr. Trump when he was visiting Moscow. Well, distinguished colleague, let me tell you this. When President Trump visited Moscow back then, I didn't even know that he was in Moscow. I treat President Trump with utmost respect. But back then, when he was a private individual, a businessman, nobody informed me that he was in Moscow. Well, please, just disregard these issues and don't think about this anymore again. Doesn't really answer it, though, but we need to disregard it. Okay. Yaffe, your take on what went down in Helsinki yesterday and a check of the text line before I go to the phones, all right? Yeah, I think you made an excellent point when he was talking to other people at NATO or he was talking to Theresa May in Britain. He was willing to be tough. Yeah. He wanted to have a good relationship with them, but he was also willing to be tough. That's why, Trump. Yeah. So why can't he be tough against Putin, but still also want to keep open the lines of communication? I thought you made an excellent point there. How do you explain why he was the way he undeniably was? Man, it's a stretch for me to say that Putin has something on him. I tend to lean towards his ego. He doesn't want to hurt his ego because he doesn't want to admit that Russia was meddling because that kind of delegitimizes his election mm -hmm. in his mind. Yeah. That but may be know, it. Man. He got into that at length. He went off on the Hillary stuff and everything else yesterday. Yeah, I mean, he was very defensive about the election. Yeah. Text line, how about a couple of highlights, and we'll go back to it later. Oh, a lot of people disagree with you, bud. One person thinks this is Trump calling out our own deep state. Um, well, yeah, here, here's the problem with that. He selected Dan Coats to be the director of national intelligence. These are Republicans heading the committees of intel in the Senate 
and in the House. There were a lot of rock-solid Trump supporters on here who are not leftover subversives from the Obama administration. Uh, You want to believe that? But I think you're barking up the wrong tree, my friends. I really, really do. Let me get a phone call or two in here. We'll make more time for this in the next half hour. Stick around. Robert, good morning from Oviedo. Bud Bank, good morning. Hey, Trump's keeping his eye on the prize. One thing about Putin, if you disrespect the guy or if he excoriates him in public like that, you're done trying to make a deal with the guy. And I'll tell you what, he's already made peace with North Korea. We've got no more missiles flying this is done. It would be huge if he makes business deals with Russia. It saves us our service people through these proxy wars. So it what is the bottom line? You're, you're, hang dollars. on, please, Robert. I'm confused. Yeah. Are you are you just fine with Trump yesterday? Mueller released that crap to mess up the negotiations. It's pretty obvious. Trump went in there. He, he could have backed out of that whole thing, but they put him on the spot. He's, he's not backing down to Putin. He's in a tough, tough deal with the guy. But he knows better than in the past. If you disrespect him, you're not going to get anywhere with him. And he- All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Pe- Kevin, you're in Melbourne. What about it, Kevin? But you're wrong. And I'm going to give you two points if you don't cut me off. Go ahead. You, if you're not too long, you're I'll listen. 30 seconds. Do it. I'm, I'm going to try not to be too long, okay? The first point is this. The DNC server. How can, they, how can our intelligence people say that the Russians hacked it when they never even inspected it. They never touched it. How can they say that? And you think that Dan Coates, just because Dan Coates is in there and he says so, that means something he doesn't know personally. He's taking information from the people who worked for John Brennan. Oh, that's right. And James Comey, people that were Obama people, okay? The second point is this. The second point is this. Do you remember the term mutually assured destruction sure we used to use in the cold war absolutely okay what does that mean it means it means we can't fire at each other because we'll wind up destroying ourselves with russia all right thank you i appreciate it i would do more with you but i cannot afford the time at this particular time i'll never duck an argument on this i believe what i believe but i'll always listen to members of the smartest audience in talk radio And we'll all listen to my partner, Deborah Roberts, bringing us the news right now, none better. Florida's U.S. senators weighing in on the president's summit with Putin. And after a big spike, gas prices coming back down. We like the sound of that. Glad you're with us. Good morning, all, at 6.30. Bottom of the hour, Deb, not not a hard morning to sort out the big story that you need to report (laughs) on. So take it away. President Trump is rejecting bipartisan criticism of his summit with Russian President Vladimir Putin. During a press conference with Putin in Helsinki, Trump refused to endorse U.S. intelligence findings, which show Russia meddled in the 2016 presidential election. Florida Republican Senator Marco Rubio, who serves on the Intelligence Committee, says there's a mountain of evidence. The intelligence community has assembled probably an unparalleled amount of evidence in regards to the Russian, not just efforts to interfere in 2016, but ongoing efforts Mm -hmm. to interfere in American society. And it's not limited to the territory of the United States. These are efforts they undertake in many other parts of the world. Florida Democratic Senator Bill Nelson says Americans should believe our own intelligence committees and not the word of a former KGB spy. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. 
Ford will pay nearly $300 million to settle federal lawsuits over those faulty Takata airbags. The carmaker agreed to the settlement filed in federal court in Miami yesterday. The money will reimburse Ford drivers for their expenses waiting for fixes to their cars and for loaner vehicles for cars that cannot be driven until those airbags are replaced. Speaking of driving, good news. Gas prices in Florida jumped last week by about $0.08 cents a gallon statewide, but Mark Jenkins with AAA Auto Club in Florida says they've already started to go back down. If that trend continues, we should look at uh, significant uh, declines of the pump, possibly about $0.10. Cents. Jenkins says refinery issues along the Gulf Coast caused prices to spike last week. Some members of Congress want to get to the bottom of some costly delays of the I-4 Ultimate Project. Darren Soto, Stephanie Murphy, and Val Demings recently asked state officials for details on the project's delay. A recent report by Channel 9 found that the project was looking at a 245-day delay and cost overruns of about $100 million. Soto tells Channel 9 those are big red flags. And an abandoned couch credited with inspiring community spirit in Brevard County may be gone, but it's leaving behind some warm memories. The couch outside a Walmart on Palm Bay Road was removed last night after it had been there for weeks. It became a landmark, though, after a Palm Bay political candidate posted a video of him on the couch, which led to a food drive for the South Brevard Sharing Center. People dropped off items to turn the couch into part of a roadside living room, a table, a television, even some silk plants. And one woman tells Florida Today it was wonderful to see something dirty and nasty become something beautiful and charitable. What a story. <laughs> <laughs> and you can get these stories and more at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now with Gina Cervetti and the Bloomberg Business Report. Thank you, Deb. Yeah, let's bring in Gina live from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City. Um, off the top, as you check the futures this morning in advance of the opening of the markets here, we're wondering whether or not all the fallout from the summit meeting is impacting the markets. Any indicator on that? I don't really think so, but it doesn't look like it this morning. Okay. Investors are focused on the uh, earnings. Of course, they're always watching what the White House is doing because you just uh, you never know. There are a lot of surprises with this administration, of course. So uh, always watching what's happening there, but we're kicking into high gear here with the uh, earnings season this morning. And then we've got the Fed chair speaking today before Congress. Investors really keying in on what's next for monetary policy here. All right. Netflix has been absolutely red hot, but some signs, at least for now, it's cooling down a bit. What's going on with Netflix? Well, the shares are falling in pre-market trading this morning, but the company gained fewer subscribers than expected last quarter. That really surprised investors. But one reason may be that Netflix released a relatively thin slate of shows in this last quarter, even though it seems like they're always putting out new shows, apparently over this three-month period that we're looking at, um, not as many as they do at other times. And what about a postmortem on uh, Amazon's annual Prime Day, the Amazon Prime Day yesterday? How'd that go? Well, the early reports look pretty good, despite technical problems that had customers venting on social media with the hashtag Prime Day fail. One firm says, though, shoppers spent 54% more in the first three hours of this year's event than they did in the first three hours last year. The shopping bonanza actually started later in the day last year. This is according to a, a software provider that provides software for e-commerce. The name is Feedvisor. Of course, the Prime Day isn't over yet. Yeah, that's right. Now, let's talk about a story that was in Deb's news a few moments ago. I'd love to get the Bloomberg perspective on Ford settling these consumer financial claims tied to the Takata exploding airbag recalls. 
Sure. Well, as Deb was saying, Ford has agreed to pay around $299 million to settle consumers' financial loss claims connected to those recalls. Ford, uh, Ford joins other companies here, bud. Toyota, Subaru, Mazda, BMW, and Nissan already did their settling for these economic claims earlier. However, General Motors, Fiat, Chrysler, Volkswagen, and Mercedes-Benz continue to litigate on these claims. All right, the pro football season isn't all that far away now. We're in the middle of July. We know the ratings were down last year due to a lot of well-reported controversies we spend quite a bit of time on here. Um, how did it impact the National Football League's bottom line? Well, doesn't look like it affected it too much here. The NFL distributed a record $8.1 billion to its teams last season, up almost 5% from 2016. Now, this is according to the financial disclosure documents from the Green Bay Packers. The team's president said he saw no negative financial consequences related to the controversies in the 2017 season. The Packers, bud, are the only publicly owned franchise in major U.S. sports, mm -hmm. providing the only real regular glimpse into the NFL. NFL's financial health. Okay, fair enough. Great hearing from you as always. The Daily Bloomberg Business Report with Gina Cervetti. Count on it every morning at 6.30. And good morning, Orlando, live from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City. Have a great day, Gina. We'll catch you tomorrow. Bud, thanks. You too. You bet. So, looks like all the calls and almost all the texts, they're not happy with the Bud Man here because I was not happy with the president not publicly going after Putin for meddling in the election and other things as well. I thought he was much too soft on the Russian leader, un-Trump-like. And I'm wondering why. And I'm not the only one who has a problem with the way this went. And you're thinking, well, but man, you're buying into all of the anti-Trump media and the Trump derangement syndrome from the left. There's plenty of that to go around, and I'm immune to it. But this is across the political spectrum. Let's take, for example... Former House Speaker and conservative Republican Newt Gingrich. Newt Gingrich makes money off Trump. He writes books about Trump. He thinks Trump has been an incredible president. Here is what he said yesterday in the wake of what went down at the summit. President Trump must clarify his statements in Helsinki on our intelligence system in Putin. It is the most serious mistake of his presidency and must be corrected immediately. I'm with him on that. This is the Trump train derailment, his way of saying it. We can and need to get back on the track. 407-916-5400. But some of you were snoozing in the sleeper car and that train was giving you a nice smooth ride, no problem at all, when he wimped out on Putin. I can't believe I'm seeing what I'm seeing. And we're all going to hear what I'm seeing in a moment. That and Orlando's news weather in traffic in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Gaffy, you made a great point off air. I want you to share with our listeners who are circling the wagons by and large and supporting the president's go soft and speak not a disparaging word to Putin policy unveiled at the Helsinki summit yesterday. Well, all I know is if Obama had done the same thing, all these people would have been outraged. In fact, they were outraged when Obama was talking to Medvedev 
and said, I'll have more flexibility after the election. Right. Everyone on our side was outraged, as we should have been. And we were, right from this yeah, microphone. exactly. So, and if Obama said this same stuff that Trump was saying, all these people would be totally upset today. Yeah, I'm, I, I got to tell you, I mean, maybe I'm only getting the people who are just, you know, are just so on fire about this, and they're all feeling a certain way, and they want to get in and try to, you know, turn the course of the conversation or whatever. I, I just don't understand, because I know some of you people here who always salute Trump's strength. You know, America first, patriotic, not taking any crap from the kneeling NFL players, not taking any crap from Angela Merkel, not taking any crap from the Brits. And now all of a sudden you're supporting him, you're saluting him because he totally wimps out in front of the Russian leader. And is it all in the interest of keeping the dialogue open? The dialogue will stay open. Reagan talked real tough to Gorbachev and the dialogue stayed open. I mean, I don't understand where you're coming from. It's just like you can't stand the idea. Oh, my God, bud, don't concede anything to the anti-Trump forces here. I'm still on the Trump trail train, but that was a doggone serious derailment yesterday. It was. Here's Trump's hand-picked director of national intelligence, longtime conservative Republican Dan Coats, last Friday in advance of the summit with one more warning to the president and the world about Putin and the Russians and meddling. In regards to state actions, Russia has been the most aggressive foreign actor. No question. And they continue their efforts to undermine our democracy. The warning signs are there. The system is blinking. And it is why I believe we are at a critical point. That's his handpick, Director of National Intelligence. Not some James Clapper left over from the Obama regime, for crying out loud. Dan Coats. I mean, you know, doesn't get any more clear than that. And apparently, from what I'm hearing, the reporting is everybody on the Trump tr team at the summit expected him to come out and get in Putin's face and saying, listen, I want a dialogue moving forward. There's a lot of things we need to work out and we need to keep on talking. We got all these nukes. But for crying out loud, here's what you did. I know it. We're calling you out. And if you continue doing it, there will be major consequences. Heck, he talks that tough to our allies. And he won't talk that way to Putin. I've given you the three explanations as for why. But I am really incredulous that so many of you are supporting what Trump did or didn't do yesterday. If you're a regular on here, you know the Budman has strong opinions. I'm quite literally paid to have an opinion on the issues of the day, and it's my pleasure. But I do search for balance. And here's a little for those of you who think everything was just fine yesterday with the president's demeanor in that news conference. Senator Rand Paul out of Kentucky with a different take on Trump's performance at the summit, which, of course, has legions of Democrats and a whole lot of Republicans blasting him for throwing America under the bus and cozying up to Putin. Um, you know, as far as Paul's concerned, chalk it all up to Trump derangement syndrome from the left and both sides of the aisle, a lot of people who just flat out don't like Trump. 
I think we need to take a step back and ask ourselves, is it good to have conversation with your adversaries? Is it good to have open lines of communications with Russia? Maybe the president honestly wants less conflict in the world and less likelihood of war. And I believe that to be true. Listen, it doesn't require being goody two-shoes with a thug and a killer like Putin to keep the lines of communication open. They've got all kinds of reasons for wanting to keep things open with the United States. Uh, I just don't buy that explanation. With all due respect to one of the senators, I think is a real statesman, Rand Paul. I think part of it may be that he doesn't want to um, buy into the idea or, or, or say publicly that, yeah, they did meddle in the elections, and that's the reason I became president. He became president, he says, because he ran a great campaign. He said it yesterday. He was all over the Hillary issues, et cetera. It could be ego. I really fear that maybe it's the worst of the three things I can think of to explain what surprised me so much yesterday about the, the president's go soft with Putin approach, that somehow Putin's got something on him or the president fears that he does. Maybe that came up in the two hours together and changed what his aides were totally convinced he was going to do, and that was go publicly tough, classic Trump, on Putin. Mike, go ahead. You're on with a Bud Man. How do you see it? Hi. Um, well, Bud, I am not alarmed at all. Okay? I just, if I, knowing Donald Trump's personality, he likes to have a good rapport with, with all his counterparts, like President Xi and Kim. I mean, he acts like they're his best friends. He knows who they are. They, he knows that... Uh, he knows that they're, that, that they're potential, but of course, like Putin, you know, he gave him a good, a good rapport. He gave him a good, you know, like he didn't attack him. He maybe thought it wasn't. The problem is he threw his own country under the bus. That's the problem. Okay, well, all right, my my take on that is is that uh. okay, Dan Coates? I mean, where's the evidence? Okay, right now they said they spent one hundred twenty thousand dollars on Facebook. That's a drop. Of rainwater in the Pacific in the Pacific Ocean compared to what Hillary okay. has put into her campaign. Okay, so it's nothing that he he might have said. These are just words. Okay, I mean it's not like he sold one fifth of our uranium. Okay. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I mean some of you are locked in here. Okay. I try to think a little more expansively than that. You know, I'm I'm still on the Trump train. Doesn't mean I've thrown him overboard and I'm suddenly rooting for Bernie Sanders to become president of the United States or for Trump to be impeached. I'm 10 million miles from ever being there. But do we have to find a way and go through twisted mental and emotional contortions to find support for the president no matter what he does? With all due respect, gang, that's what it sounds like to me on the phones this morning. Here's Jeremiah in Orlando. Hi, Jeremiah. Hi, bud. I love your show. Thank hey, you. Um... I, uh, I, I'm not so much supporting Trump because of yeah, how he acted there. I just don't think that Russia is doing anything particularly untoward on a global stage. I mean, we're doing the same thing. We invaded Afghanistan, Iraq. They invaded Georgia, yeah. Ukraine. And the, 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 the issue is meddling in the elections, all right? Every no, arm I, well, of the no, intelligence know, but, mechanism but, says that yeah, they did it, and they oh, wouldn't bring it up. Oh, no, okay, fine. But the, okay. we meddle in their elections. Yeah, we probably do. There's no question about that. But again, I guess I've made my points. 
Coming up, Deb will bring us the news. Good morning, Orlando. Delighted to have you with us here on a Tuesday morning at 7 o'clock for our next check of Orlando's news, weather, and traffic right here, right now for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning Florida's U.S. Senators weigh in on the president's summit with Putin, and a Central Florida lawmaker wants an investigation of concealed carry gate. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. A Trump train derailment in Helsinki or right on the tracks? My take and yours next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Tuesday morning at 7.04 on News Radio 1025. Florida U.S. Senator Bill Nelson is among the lawmakers expressing surprise that President Trump said he trusts Vladimir Putin when Putin said Russia didn't meddle in U.S. elections. Nelson says U.S. intelligence committees have made their position clear. This senator believes that our own intelligence community, not a former KGB spy who was a colonel, bent on undermining democracy and the rule of law around the world is who you ought to believe. Marco Rubio, Florida's Republican U.S. Senator, also took Donald Trump to task. He tweeted, quote, foreign policy must be based on reality, not hyperbole or wishful thinking. And the reality is Russia is an adversary. End quote. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A House committee will question the wife of a former Trump campaign advisor who pled guilty in the Russia probe. George Papadopoulos's wife, Simona, will testify in front of the House Intelligence Committee on Wednesday. George Papadopoulos pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI about meetings he had with someone linked to the Russian government. He was a foreign policy advisor for President Trump's campaign and has become a central figure in the Russia investigation. Back in the Sunshine State, a state lawmaker from Orlando is asking the governor to order an outside investigation of the state's concealed carry licensing program. Orlando Senator Linda Stewart says an internal investigation by the Florida Department of Agriculture seems more like a cover-up. This report is flawed and its representations are incorrect. Therefore, they need to look at this report and do an independent investigation. Hundreds of concealed carry permits were issued to people who didn't qualify, but Agriculture Commissioner Adam Putnam claims they've corrected the problem. But uh, Linda Stewart is not alone. The League of Women Voters is also asking Florida's Attorney General to investigate the concealed weapons licensing program run by his department. Andy Pelosi, with the Coalition to Prevent Gun Violence, says there have been too many mistakes and the program should be transferred to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. FDLE currently is the point of contact for background checks for first-time gun purchasers and should be tasked with also performing background checks for concealed weapons permits. It's crucial for public safety that complete checks of all available databases are done for every applicant. The Agriculture Department once again conducted its own investigation after hundreds of concealed carry permits were issued by mistake, but Pelosi says it needs to be done by someone outside the agency. Meanwhile, a new poll shows Congressman Ron DeSantis leading Agriculture Commissioner Adam Putnam in the race for the Republican nomination for governor. The Gravis Marketing Survey of likely voters gives DeSantis 35 percent and Putnam 29 percent, with 25 percent still undecided. Former Congresswoman Gwen Graham leads the Democratic field with 27 percent, followed by Palm Beach billionaire Jeff Green with 18 percent, former Miami Beach Mayor Philip Levine with 17 percent, and Tallahassee Mayor Andrew Gillum with 10 percent. 27% remain undecided about the Democratic contest. Boy, that Republican poll, though, is really a stunner, isn't it? It is. Because Hutton very had been leading by a lot. Yes. Like 15 points. 
Then came the formal endorsement by Trump for DeSantis. Then came the first um, DeSantis ads, which contained the Trump endorsement, and I think was an effective ad, and it's been a game changer. See how it is going forward. You know, DeSantis was one of those who was at least lukewarm supportive of the president in the wake of the Helsinki situation we're talking about here. Be very interesting to see how that impacts the next polling. We'll be watching for it. Yeah, we will certainly, definitely. And finally, Showtime is refuting Sarah Palin's claim that comedian Sasha Baron Cohen posed as a disabled veteran to secure interviews with her and other politicians for his series, Who is America? The former Alaska governor and 2008 Republican vice presidential nominee accused the British comedian of claiming to be a disabled veteran when he invited her to be interviewed. Showtime said in a statement yesterday that Cohen's character didn't wear any kind of military clothing and said on camera he is not disabled. WFLA News Time at 7.08. Check out all of the new emojis coming to iPhones later this year, including lettuce. Don't know why. Including what? Lettuce. <laughs> Where do we go to see this? And kangaroos. Okay. You can see all of them at 1025wfla.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Alongside the Devmeister, the Bud Man, back with you. Thanks to Yaffe for hosting in my absence on Monday. He's producing, and Steph will be the voice you hear when you call to join the conversation. And we're talking about what I see as a major Trump train derailment at the Helsinki Summit. I was all over my opinions on this and taking your calls as well. Most of you don't agree with the Bud Man, at least not those who are speaking up. Join the conversation because we're diving right back in with the key sound cuts from that news conference Trump and Putin. 407-916-5400. What was your reaction to all of that? Text line 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. An update coming in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you in two minutes. Stick around. Lots going on right here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. So that's one of the explanations out there. I see three possible explanations for the basically inexplicable that our tough, in-your-face, tell-it-like-it-is president would schmooze Putin and not get in his face about Russian meddling in the election. And, and that process, that is all ongoing, I believe, with all my heart. And I think there's a lot of evidence um, that it, at all costs, we must keep an open dialogue. Does that explain it satisfactorily? It does not to me. The dialogue will continue, even if he gets in Putin's face. Putin's as tough as it comes, and I think he only understands toughness and strength not demonstrated by our president yesterday. Maybe he just couldn't abide the idea that if he concedes Russian meddling in the 2016 election, that all of a sudden that's the only reason he became the president. Is it an ego thing? Or is it possible, God forbid, that Putin and his thugs have something on Trump that would be just politically crippling to him and that Trump knows it or believes it? whether it's true or not. And that's why he was so much easier on Putin on such a serious issue than he was on our allies when he got in their face, and I applauded it, and so did you. Theresa May, Anna Merkel, the clowns at NATO, shape up, pay up, or else. None of that with Putin. It's just a totally different demeanor with Putin. And, and you have to search your heart and try to understand what's going on here. Here is the sound cut that lit up the world yesterday, okay? Let's listen um, as we go back to the summit now. 
On the issue of whether Russia interfered in the 2016 presidential election, a reporter asked the president who he believes U.S. intelligence experts like Trump's own director of national intelligence, Dan Coats, who say, yeah, they did, or Putin, who says, no, we didn't. My people came to me, Dan Coats came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, He just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. So I have great confidence in my intelligence people. But uh, I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today. I'm sorry, I don't see it any other way than the president whom I admire, and I'm still on the Trump train, but I consider this to be a major derailment. Um, I, I, I think I'm mixing my transportation metaphors here. It's a derailment, but he really threw our top people, a lot of them are handpicked by him, and he threw our country under the bus. And under that category, he also said... When asked directly at the news conference, do you hold Russia at all accountable for anything in particular? Wide open opportunity to give Putin chapter and verse face to face. And he said instead, I hold both countries responsible. I think that the United States has been foolish. I think we've all been foolish. And I think we're all to blame. If Obama had said anything like that on the world stage, it would be a continuation of his infamous apology tour, I felt like we had a disturbingly close cousin to that with our normally tough-as-nails president yesterday. I've given you the three possible explanations for it. I've got to tell you, this flies so much in the face of what the Trump team was planning on, reportedly, having the president do at the summit. I would not be surprised in the wake of this to see one or more resignations from this close group to the president. Chief of Staff John Kelly, Dan Coates, DNI after this. Bolton, National Security Advisor, always has been tough on the old Soviet Union and Russia and Putin. Pompeo ran CIA, he's now Secretary of State. And our U.S. Ambassador to Russia, John Huntsman, his daughter, who's the weekend host on Fox and Friends, trashed the president yesterday. I wouldn't be surprised to see Huntsman say, I can't do this anymore. Now, Everyone who is calling me is circling the wagons, I think, with all due respect, somewhat mindlessly, for the president. We can be on the Trump train without having to support everything he says and does. I can't defend what happened in Helsinki yesterday, and I will not. Is there anybody out there? who sees it my way. Oh, you're out there. But I think you don't have the guts to call or something. I know you're out there. 407-916-5400 or text me at 23680. Never busy. Standard message and data rate supply. You're next. It's not just the anti-Trump media machine. The always anti-Trump Democrats still seething from the election results in 2016. You know, there are a lot of people who are rock-solid Trump supporters almost all the time who were chagrined at how that went yesterday. Yaffe, your reaction? Yeah, I'm with you. I, 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 there's no way I can defend what he said because he basically, he basically sided with Russia and blamed America. It was, it was a lot like 
Obama's apology tour. When you mentioned that earlier, that's what I felt like. I felt like he spent more time apologizing for America. How do you explain it? It is not classic Trump. It's the antithesis of it. How do you explain it? I don't know. I mean, my gut tells me that it's his ego, that he can't admit that Russia was meddling because he believes if he admits that, then it delegitimizes his election, and he can't admit that. I'd rather that be the answer, and we don't know the answer, uh, than, than Putin's got something on him and just owns him, and it can't come out. And, and they talked about it in private, and they reaffirmed it, and, and Trump said, you know, I said to himself, I'm going to do what I need to do here. I mean, look I at, don't know. It's crazy where our minds are going today. You have that, that Putin might have something on Trump. I hope and pray it's not true. But also that we have a lot of people today that believe that our intelligence agencies are lying to us. That's also, I mean, if yeah. either of those are true, we are in a very dangerous place in this country today. Let's get on out to the coast and get some quick take on this from Merritt Island. Bill, you're on board. 30 seconds, please. I got a jammed phone line here. If Trump had gone after Putin, yeah. they'd accuse him of trying to start World War III. Oh, no, 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 no. Come on. No. I mean, when Reagan said, tear down this wall, Gorbachev wasn't standing next to him. What went on in that private session is what counts, and we don't know the results of that and probably won't know for months, if not years. So you're okay. This is what you expected. It's what you wanted from the president yesterday. No, it's not what I wanted, but I don't think it's that big a deal. All right. Thank you very much. Chuck, you're next. You're in Winter Springs. Good morning. You're on with the Budman, Chuck. Hey, Bud. Love you, man, but i got to disagree with you. But I do think it was a little soft, but I'll, I'll <laughs> keep it to the bullet points. I'm going to give you an analogy using dogs to hopefully draw a parallel. All right. All right. Um, let's say you got a guy across the street named Steve. Is your buddy. He brings a dog over. Okay. He gets right on your brand-new white couch, gets it all filthy. You slap Steve on the back of the neck, and you say, man, your dog just tore up my couch. Your friend because he's your ally, says, oh, sorry, man, let me clean it up. And he takes care of you. Your relationship's still good. The guy next to you named Bernie flies a communist flag, and he's letting his dog do his business in your front yard. <laughs> Steve caught him doing it. Okay. You know you're never going to be friends with Bernie, and Bernie's never going to be friends with you. <laughs> wow. You run into his mailbox, and you say, hey, man, right. um, I was told <laughs> that you're letting your dog do your business in my front yard. I'm stepping in it when I cut the grass. I don't know if it's you or not. He says, no, 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 that is not me. That is not me. My dog goes in the backyard. And and Steve comes by, and he goes, you giving him the beans, bud, man? And you go, no, he says it wasn't him. All right, so you, well, the, the point is you you're saying you're saying the priority. Publicly All right, Hank, stop, 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 next stop. Time you go to okay, work. I'm out of time. Thank you. That was very interesting. <laughs> and I never thought I'd laugh this morning because I don't find anything funny about this, but that was pretty funny. Then the point he's making, Yaffe, is... Uh, open dialogue continuing, that's the most important thing, whatever it takes to do that. Like somehow Putin would shut it down at the, at Helsinki and beyond if the president called him out on any of this stuff. And I don't buy that for a minute. Yeah, I have a lot of textures kind of saying it's art of the art of the deal. Okay, well, if that's right, I will be more than willing to eat a trainload of crow from this microphone in the future if we find that out to be true, okay? I will absolutely do it. (sighs) 
Hey, my co-host Deborah Roberts is going to give me a break here in a moment and uh, update the news at the bottom of the hour in the wake of the Helsinki summit and the controversy, etc. We have Florida's U.S. senators weighing in and a deputy's tortoise tirade going viral. The Debmeister up next on the 50,000-watt front porch. And she joins us with the news for you here at 7.30. Deb, it's time for the Bud Man to regroup. I've been taking heavy incoming on my take on the Helsinki Summit. So how about a little bit of news from across the pond? Well, I don't know if this is going to help or not, Bud Man, but we're starting (laughs) it off with the fact that President Trump is catching heat from Republicans and Democrats after siding with Russian President Vladimir Putin over the U.S. intelligence community. South Carolina GOP Senator Lindsey Graham tweeted that Trump missed an opportunity to hold Russia accountable for meddling in the 2016 presidential election. House Speaker Paul Ryan said there's no question that Russia interfered in the election election and continues efforts to undermine democracy in the U.S. and around the world. Florida Republican Senator Marco Rubio, who again serves on the Intelligence Committee, says Putin has clearly been successful in his goal to sow political and social instability in the U.S., so we're so busy fighting each other that we're not able to take him on as a threat. This was not a partisan interference. This was an effort to have happen what has happened, which is in America that two years after the election is still having this issue dominate and divide us. This is this was their goal. This was the primary objective of Vladimir Putin. Virginia Democratic Senator Mark Warner stressed that Russia massively intervened in the presidential election. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Are you ready for a different kind of rant, Bud Man? Oh, yeah, I am. Well, a Marion (laughs) County deputy is going viral for his frustration after getting stuck behind a very slow driver. The nerve of this guy. He's literally going one mile per hour in a 30 mile per hour zone. I mean, the guy's easily 100. You shouldn't be out on the roadways to begin with. (laughs) And Deputy Brian Bowman's rant continues. I tried to talk to him. He snapped at me. I don't know what this guy's deal is. <laughs> Come on, Grandpa. I got places to be. Everybody wants to drive slow with a cop car behind him. The reason Deputy Bowman's rant is getting thousands of hits? Well, it turns out the slowpoke Grandpa who snapped at him was a turtle. No kidding. Is that some old man from St. Petersburg in a leisure suit who's had the directional signal on for 100 miles? Exactly. No? It's a turtle? It was a turtle. He was trying to guide him off the road, and it ended up snapping at him. (laughs) Believe it or not, there is one Blockbuster video store left in all of the United States. Man, they used to be everywhere. Yeah, well, until this past weekend, there were three remaining brick-and-mortar Blockbusters, but over the weekend, two Alaska stores closed their doors now The video store in Bend, Oregon, about 150 miles southeast of Portland, is the sole survivor. Over 10 years ago, just like you said, Bud, the video rental giant had 9,000 stores across the country and was already struggling with competition like Netflix on the scene. In 2011, Dish Network acquired Blockbuster through a bankruptcy auction, and the doors started closing in large numbers. The general manager of the Oregon store says, nope, they're going to keep stocking their DVDs, Blu-rays, and video games, and there are no plans to shut down their lone remaining U.S. blockbuster anytime soon. Got to turn it into a museum. They really should. (laughs) I do miss a good blockbuster. What about Yaffe? You and Steph, you know, you're a little younger than the Debmeister and the Budman here. Did you ever do business at a blockbuster? (laughs) Of course. Did that start imploding when you came on board? No? No, of course I did. It didn't start imploding until I was like halfway through college. Yeah. What about it, Steph? You been to Blockbuster? 
Yeah, a long time ago. We don't have any left here in Central no. Florida. Obviously, if there's only one left in the country, it's out in Oregon. Yeah, right? exactly. I used, to, I used to love Blockbuster. So did I. It's so much nicer than standing in a Walgreens parking lot breathing car fumes while you stand at the red box with the sun <laughs> glaring on your back. My to problem in the Blockbuster was I never could make a decision. I'd walk in there thinking what I wanted, and then I would just be mesmerized by the endless rows of movies. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, I want to see that again. I am and I not just surprised by this at all. It's like, me tra- it's like me trying to order off a Chinese restaurant menu. I just can't column A, column B, column C. I can't decide. Well, that's okay. You can order from column A, column B, and column C because it turns out in an hour you're going to be hungry again anyway. Ah, that's a good point. And finally, there's still time to get your winning Mega Millions ticket. The jackpot for today's drawing is up to $375 million, making it the 10th highest Mega Millions payout of all time. Now, if someone wins and takes the cash option, they'll get a cool $226 million. Winning the jack- jackpot is a long shot, though, about one in $302 million. Wow. But Deb still, Meister, thank you. You're welcome. I have better odds if you want to win the sound judgment game right now. Ooh. Brand new Monster Jam show indoors for the first time ever at the Amway Center. In the middle of summer, it's going to be air-conditioned. It's a whole new concept in Monster Jam. And we're giving away tickets next on Sound Judgment. That's awesome. I have always wanted to go to a monster truck show. It's great, great fun. You'll be a hero to your kids and your grandkids and have the time of your life. You're eligible to win if you've not won Sound Judgment in a month. That's the company rules, not mine, okay? I'd love to have you win every day. Can't do it. Please, on the honor system, step aside. Let others try to win. This is a great, great prize. Free tickets to the indoor first-ever Monster Jam show at the Amway Center coming up. 407 407-916-5400. 407-916-5400. Get in now before the lines are jammed. And I've got a Helsinki-Finland-related question for you on Sound Judgment, which I think you'll be able to handle, but you can't win if you're not on the phone. 407-916-5400. All right, Steph, I've got the sound judgment question ready to go. What about that fabulous new prize we're offering our winner? Yes, so today we have a family four-pack of tickets to Monster Jam Triple Threat Series at the Amway Center on August 18th. Tickets are on sale now. Visit 1025wfla.com, keyword events. The Monster Jam Triple Threat Arena Tour is an entirely different format than Orlando fans have witnessed at the stadium. This upcoming tour features eight of the most talented Monster Jam drivers competing on three different vehicles during the competition. Your kids, your grandkids are going to love it. You're going to love it, too. If you're trying to get in, desperately getting a busy signal, somebody gets a wrong answer, we quickly open the line to you at 407-916-5400. So you've still got a shot. Here we go. Helsinki, Finland, no stranger to summits between U.S. presidents and their Soviet or Russian counterparts. For today's sound judgment game, I want you to listen to some sound of President Trump praising Finland's leader for how well the summit was conducted. Then, use your sound judgment to tell me this. How many prior U.S. presidents have been part of summits in Helsinki? I want to thank President Ninisto of Finland for graciously hosting today's summit. President Putin and I were saying how lovely it was and what a great job they did. And how many prior U.S. presidents have attended summits of this sort in Helsinki, Finland? Let's go to line one and see if we can get the number. Go ahead, line one. Uh, I'll make a guess. Eight? 
No, fewer than eight, but thanks for trying. There's the open line now at 407-916-5400. Call it, you could win. Line two, give me the number, please. Four? No, fewer than four. 407-916-5400. The indoor Monster Jam tickets at the Amway Center on the line. Let's go to line three. Give me the number, line three. I want these tickets. How about two? No, not two. I'm sorry, man. 407-916-5400. Don't do anything rash out there. Don't drive off the road on me. Let's go to line four. Give me the number of prior U.S. presidents who've attended summits like this in Helsinki. Three. Yeah. And that was my first guess. Was that your first guess? Yes, sir, it was. You would have nailed it no matter what. Now, I don't have a bonus, but just out of curiosity, any idea who those three might be? Uh, I know one's Reagan. I'm thinking Schumer. No. No, uh, not there. No, well, I had three, but I didn't know. Doesn't matter. You did what you needed to do <laughs> to win. What's your name? Matt from Oviedo. Matt, M-A-T-T, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, listen, let me give you the chapter and verse on this. I would have whiffed on it. I, I'm, I'm proud of you for, for nailing it. Uh, Ford Brezhnev in 1975, Bush 41 Gorbachev in 1990, Clinton Yeltsin in 1997, and then Trump Putin uh, this past weekend. So there wow. you go. Hey, you're going to the indoor first ever Monster Jam. I hope you're pumped. It's a great prize. Oh, awesome. I got the exact four people I'm taking. Who's going? Who's going, Matt? Me, the wife, two stepkids. Bingo. Sounds like a great time. You're going to have a blast. Matt, thank you so much for listening, as always, and thanks for playing our game. Congratulations on winning Sound Judgment. Thank you, bud. Don't go away, buddy. I'll put you on hold, and we'll make arrangements with you and Stephanie off air. There you are. Three was the answer. I'm worried about that one guy who missed it, Yaffe, and counted on those tickets. He'll get more chances. Uh, that's right. Yeah. We play it, and we mm-hmm. move it around every, uh, every day. We we'll play have to Sound keep judgment. listening, make sure. Yeah. And I think there'll be more Monster Jam prizes, because it's still yeah. a little ways out. Okay. Good morning, Orlando. Great to have you with us here on a beautiful Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock as we update you on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. All right here, right now for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning Florida's U.S. Senators weigh in on the President's Summit with Putin and a QA with a former Florida Governor, Bob Graham. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. They're teenagers who beat another teen, Roger Trindotti, to death in Central Florida. Could have done the better part of 20 years. We'll be lucky if they do one. Is this justice? Next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Tuesday morning. It's 8.03 or 8.04 on News Radio 1025. Florida's U.S. Senators are both making strong statements about how President Trump comported himself in the Helsinki summit with Vladimir Putin. Marco Rubio and Bill Nelson both noted that Putin is an adversary, with Nelson saying that Russian meddling is both real and ongoing. It is critically important that we don't lose sight of the threat to our democracy. That's what Russian interference in our election is. It's an attack on the very foundation of our democratic institutions. Rubio said that especially when dealing with Putin, foreign policy has to be based on evidence and not hyperbole or wishful thinking. He said Putin firmly believed the way to make Russia stronger was to make America weaker, and any approach to Russia not based on that reality would fail. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. 
USF political expert Dr. Susan McManus says the president's summit with Putin and the news conference afterward is definitely political fodder for both sides of the aisle this election season. It's a press conference that has both parties energized. One definitely going on the offensive, the other a bit more defensive, but hopeful that behind the scenes there can be something positive that comes out of it, but worried that maybe there won't be. McManus says it's uncertain exactly what happened during the summit since it was a one-on-one meeting with Trump and Putin. President Trump's White House aides are reportedly were as shocked as anyone, however, when Trump sided with Russian President Vladimir Putin over U.S. intelligence community's conclusion that Russia did meddle in the 2016 election. The Washington Post reports a White House official said aides had planned for Trump to push Putin during the leader's joint press conference. Trump's staff hoped being more confrontational and assertive toward Putin would make Trump look good. The official told the Post, obviously, that didn't happen in the press conference after Trump and Putin met one-on-one. Yeah, we were all over what I call a major Trump train derailment in our first two hours. We'll be back into it later. I would not be surprised if we don't have some Trump inner circle resignations coming out of this, Deb. More ahead. Former Florida Senator and Governor Bob Graham says he's concerned, too, about the state of American politics. Graham says the level of division has made it difficult for Washington to get anything done. Yeah, it does, because I think our democracy depends upon people of different points of view finding a common ground. That's been true ever since George Washington. Graham is on a statewide tour promoting his daughter Gwen, who's running for governor. Gwen Graham is in a tight race with former Miami Beach Mayor Philip Levine and several other candidates for the Democratic nomination. And finally, in other news, Amazon says most of its Prime Day customers should be able to shop around successfully after a glitch hit its website yesterday. Some shoppers reported seeing an error page on Amazon's homepage, while others couldn't get past the Shop All Deals page. Now, despite the setback, the online retail giant noted that in the first hour of Prime Day in the U.S., customers ordered more items compared to the first hour last year. The Prime Day shopping event began at 3 p.m. Eastern time yesterday and lasts 36 hours. Prime members are eligible for more than 1 million deals. WFLA News Time 807. Read about a Marine veteran walking across the country to raise awareness about PTSD. You can get that story online at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Sentencing in the Roger Trindotti case extraordinary what happened to the two teenaged killers Mm -hmm. or what will not happen to them. Deb, it's a disturbing story, at least as I see it here, and we're going to get into it in a moment. I agree with you. I I agree it's disturbing. I see the judge's point. I just think that one of the defendants especially had proven that he already is a career criminal. That's coming up here in just a moment, and then later on, back into the fallout from the Helsinki summit and uh, the Trump performance with Putin. Um, so it is all ahead. We'll have an update first, though, on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic, and after a word from Deb as well. It all unfolds before your very ears here in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. It's 2016, one night in beautiful Central Park in Winter Park. Winter Park High School student Roger Trindotti is beaten to death by fellow teens Jesse Sutherland and Simeon Hall. Medical examiner said death by blunt force trauma. 
they beat Trindotti, then 15 years of age, until he was unconscious. The two spat on Trindotti while he was bleeding on the ground. Trindotti never regained consciousness, was removed from life support after two days, dead at age 15. The prosecution argued that Trindotti's death was basically a vicious adult-style manslaughter. But the defense attorneys claimed, hey, these kids aren't really all that bad, and it was kind of a one-time impulsive mistake. Boy. Let's fast forward, or actually go back now from about a month, but fast forward from 2016. In June, Judge Jennifer Harris made a decision. These kids had been tried and convicted as adults, but she said they would not be sentenced as adults because a sentencing for manslaughter could result in them each doing some 17 years in an adult prison. I'm sorry. I'm a compassionate guy, but this kid is dead, and he did nothing to deserve it, and they just pummeled him to death. So the judge decided, no, we're not going to sentence them, these kids, Sutherland and Hall, as adults. I'm going to sentence them as kids. And so we're going to send them to confinement, not in a hardcore prison, but a high-risk juvenile facility. And when you do that, as I've been reading, the average sentence, no matter what it would have been as an adult for manslaughter, could have been up to 17 years, somewhere in the neighborhood of 9 to 12 months, depending upon their behavior, they will be back out and free in about a year. The judge, the judge said this. She decided to impose the juvenile sanctions, saying, quote, the juvenile system is there to help children become productive adults. A kid who steals something, candy from a store, she's quoted as saying, isn't a thief and isn't a thief forever. We're more than just what our worst action was. And said further that, you know, if we sentence these kids to an adult prison, they're going to come out as hardcore ex-cons and probably re-offend. We also heard something from the attorney for one of these kids, one of the defense attorneys, David Fussell, who, of course, thought this move by the judge was absolutely fine and totally appropriate. Both of these kids had just turned 15 when it happened. Um, the evidence was exactly as I laid it out. It's not that they intended to go down there and hit anybody, hurt anybody. They went down there to defend another kid. It was a friend of theirs. One of those kids, Hall, in the meantime, apparently, faces charges of, of beating somebody else very seriously. But at any rate, what about the judge's decision? A manslaughter conviction? And they were tried as adults. If their sentence as adults could have resulted in 17 years in prison. Now they're going to be sent as juveniles to a high-risk juvenile facility, probably out somewhere in the neighborhood, each of them, in one year. I can tell you that Trindotti's family is disappointed, to say the least. 
heartsick, I think would be more like it, saying, we lost our only son's life. Now they're going to do, what, one year, two years in jail? No, it's more like one year. That This is not acceptable. This is not right. Said the dad, they spit on his dying body. This, this, is not, this is not the kind of justice system, in my view, that serves us well. Now, you tell me, are you on the judge's side and applauding her compassion for these teenage killers? Or are you on the Budman's side who says, I would throw the book at them in a heartbeat, and they would be in prison for 17 years each. Who has it right when you look at our criminal justice system, the big picture, in addition to the particulars of this case? Am I too hard, too callous, too Old Testament eye for an eye? I don't think so. I don't feel that way. I think I'm a compassionate guy. I don't think soft justice does anything but send a message that you can get away, basically, with almost anything. 407-916-5400, text line 23680. So the judge decides to sentence Jesse Sutherland and Simeon Hall, who beat Roger Trindotti, Winter Park High School student, to death in 2016, right in Central Park, um, sentenced them as juveniles to a high-risk juvenile facility, Average stay 9 to 12 months, depending on behavior. And so they dodge what could have been had they been sentenced the way they were tried as adults. Manslaughter conviction in 17 years each in the slammer. Let's go to the phones for your reaction to this. I think you have a pretty good handle on where I stand. Jennifer, good morning to you. Welcome in from Apopka. Good morning, bud. How are you? Well, I'm doing all right, but I'm disturbed enough to give this story prominent position in a show where you think I would be talking in this hour again about the Helsinki situation. I thought this I needed I think this needed some attention. I agree. Wait. I think the judge was too soft. I have a brother who's been in and out of the jailing facility since he was the same age as these kids and he always receives a slap on the wrist and that's what he's known. For you know, going to jail, getting out, going to jail, getting out. It didn't teach him anything at 15, and he's 30 years old and still hasn't learned anything. If you were the judge, what would have happened to these kids? They would have been sentenced probably for manslaughter or more murder. Um, well, the conviction was manslaughter. The sentence has to be manslaughter. Yeah, so that would have been sentenced them to... You would have been okay with 17 years? Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it. You got a kid cut down in the primal life for crying out loud, and no remorse ever shown by these kids in the courtroom. None. George in Winter Park. How do you see it, George? Um, well, good morning to you, bud. Um, the way I see it is uh, these kids. If the core of these these kids is truly bad, um, they will eventually get what's coming to them. They aren't going to all of a sudden be good kids next year. Um, if the core is bad. They will end up in jail eventually. It should be now. Unfortunately, it's not, but they will end up in jail. I guess if the core of these children is good, then, I mean, at 15, they certainly deserve a second chance on life. Um, if this truly The kid is dead. He's not just hurt. He's dead. He's never going to breathe air again. He's never going to see his family and live life. 
You know, I mean, and, and, and I, I think that, thank you, and I appreciate what you say, and maybe these kids will turn out all right. I, I think if you want to cut them a little slack and not 17 years, fine. But to knock them down to not even being in prison to let them out in a year and to say, you know, this was just a one-time thing, I think it just cheapens life with all due respect. Yaffe, thoughts and text line. Yeah, you know, the caller said maybe the kids deserve a second chance but you know who does not get a second chance? Roger Trindotti. Exactly. He's dead. That's what I always go back to. I understand where the judge is coming from, but the kid is dead. And he doesn't get 17 years. He gets nothing. He's dead. What are the textures saying here? One person thinks these kids deserve the death penalty. So even tougher than you are, bud. Well, uh, well, it, it, it wasn't tried that way. Okay. Yeah. That'd have to be murder one and it wasn't right. murder one. Um, one person says the verdict is not acceptable. Another person says that they should contest the sentence. If the state attorney contests the sentence, it might be overturned because the judge went around the rules. Well, believe me, we'll be all over watching that should such a thing happen. Okay. As I said earlier in the show and more on this coming up, I think we had a Trump train derailment at the Helsinki summit and, um, a couple of uh, Florida politicians, and many more than that, feel pretty much the same way. Deb? Yeah, Florida's U.S. senators are not on board with President Trump's refusal to accept the consensus of U.S. intelligence agencies that Russia interfered in the 2016 election. Democrat Bill Nelson called Trump's comments at that news conference in Helsinki with Vladimir Putin alarming, embarrassing, and unacceptable. He urged Congress to enact additional economic sanctions on Russia and suggested freezing the bank accounts of some of Russia's most senior leaders. Republican Marco Rubio said if the U.S. doesn't acknowledge and punish what Putin did, his next attack will be bolder, more brazen, and far more damaging. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A Virginia teenager is recovering from, I kid you not, third-degree burns after coming into contact with a dangerous weed, Justin Childress is the victim's father. I mean, he continued working during the day, actually, when he's gotten it on his face. And when he got home, is you know, he got into the shower, and as he starts the shower, he said that the you know the skin on on his face was basically just was peeling away and peeling off. Yeah, Alex Childress said he was working at his landscaping job last week when he cut down the weed, which he didn't pay much attention to at the time. He spent a few days in the hospital where he was treated and released for third-degree burns on his face and arms. My goodness. After officials determined he had touched giant hogweed. The invasive plant contains a dangerous sap that can cause burns, blisters, and even blindness. No kidding. Giant hogweed? Giant hogweed. Yep. Looks like Queensland's lace from where I can really? come from. Yeah, but medical officials say he'll recover just fine. Yeah. But he will be sensitive to light. For a few months, not good news for a kid who's got a landscaping job. Oh, I guess not. But, you know, I think we're all familiar with poison ivy and some plants that can give right. you a bad itch or whatever. I've never heard of a plant that literally can burn your skin off. And third-degree burns. My Unbelievable. Goodness. The Virginia Department of Conservation and Recreation says hogweed plants can grow up to 15 feet tall and have been spotted across the state this summer. I also read they've also been spotted in North Carolina no word. I haven't seen any reports that hogweed has been found here in Florida. You anticipated my question <laughs> and the question of many listening well, to of us. of course, because, you know, if you've, I, I tangled with uh, poison ivy when I was yeah. a kid. Still can't identify it to this day. Yeah. But I can tell you what it feels like when you get that sap on you. You figure everything that grows grows better in Florida. That if anybody else has got it, we'd have it. I'm glad to know we apparently do not have 
Giant hogweed. Giant hogweed, exactly. Brightening. But I, I will keep my eye out for it, bud, and be the first. Keep your distance. Yeah, I will keep my distance, and hopefully it won't take my eye out. Hey, a fight over a Lake County house that was the subject of a federal lawsuit appears to be at an end. The city of Mount Dora and the owners of what's known as the Van Gogh House. Yeah, I've seen it. Have reached a settlement that will be voted on by the city council tonight. The owners of the house painted it in a pattern inspired by Van Gogh's Starry Night, but the city complained it violated their code. A federal lawsuit claimed the city was violating the family's First Amendment rights, and the Orlando Sentinel reports that as part of the settlement, the paint job can remain. That's up in your neck of the woods. Any yes, thoughts it is. on that? Right down the street from where I live. I, you know, it's uh, it looks okay. <laughs> it's, you wouldn't vote against it. I wouldn't. Okay. I wouldn't. I like the idea of people being able, to, for the most part, being able to do what they want with their home, and it's not it's not ugly. It's certainly not graffiti. Yeah. No, that's true. You know, and people true. come yeah. up there to see it. I kind of like it, but I don't live there, so I don't have to, you know, see it all the time. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, okay. speaking of Starry Night, I have something for you, Bud what Man. Do you, what do you got, Debmeister? Uh, the most popular meteor shower of the year is making its debut. That's right. The Perseid meteor shower begins today. My oh, I thought it was later than this. No, that's the Leonids. I'm not prepared. The Leonids are in <laughs> August. No, you are. Scientists say Earth will pass through the path of Comet Swift-Tuttle from July 17th to August 24th. So you've got some time with the shower's peak set to happen on August 12th. So set your calendars. But viewers can still catch meteor action before or after the peak time. The meteor shower can be seen best from the northern hemisphere and down to the mid-southern latitudes. Dust and debris from Comet Swift-Tuttle is what causes the Perseid meteor shower, and it is fantastic to see. If you can get out of an area where there's too much light pollution, like, you've got to like, have a really dark night yes. with no lights around. And that's when I ended up uh, laying on the side of the road in Lake County watching the Perseid meteor shower many, many years ago. And funny thing was, wasn't the only group of people out there doing wow. just that. Debmeister found lying on the side of the road. <laughs> Sounds like a grim news story to me. Uh, batter of the weekend. <laughs> oh, stop it. Thank you, Deb. You're welcome. All right. I'm, we're all over the fallout from um, the Trump-Putin summit in our 6 and 7 o'clock hours. We're going back in it by in a summary form right now as we bring in our Top Flight News Radio 1025 correspondent Bill Zim for working the foreign desk here. The president may have thought he would go quietly into the night when he um, boarded Air Force One from Helsinki back to Washington, but that certainly has not happened, has it, Bill? Oh, uh, the president was met by protesters at the White House with people chanting, go back to Russia. So to say that uh, this might be smoothed over quickly, I think, is a tremendous overstatement. This is going to be around for a while, bud. Yeah, let's play the key soundbite here in the news conference after the summit with Putin On the issue of whether Russia interfered in the 2016 presidential election, a reporter asked the president who he believes all the U.S. intelligence experts and research um, that say that they did meddle, or Putin who keeps saying that they did not. My people came to me, Dan Coates came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, He just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. So I have great confidence in my intelligence people. But uh, I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today. I don't think the president anticipated the firestorm. He's getting across party lines on this. People saying, you threw our country, you threw our intel community completely under the bus, the bus, and you're backing 
or backing away from a thug and a killer like Putin. Yeah, uh, I mean, and there was a way that the president could have handled this. Uh, of course, he's unconventional, and we know that. He right. doesn't handle things the way we're used to. If the president had responded to that question by saying, you know, we talked about it during our one-on-one, there are still very deep differences in opinions over this issue of meddling. Uh, we're going to continue to discuss it. We're investigating. They're investigating. And this will continue to be an issue between our countries until we get it figured out. If he would have ended it there, Bud, today we'd be talking about an improvement in relations. We'd be talking about cooperation with Syria, North Korea, and Iran. We'd be talking about uh, a desire by both countries to uh, uh, at least limit the number of nuclear warheads in the world. We'd be talking about a lot of positives today. Instead, the president went down that road and then brought in some internal issues like the Electoral College and the email server and Hillary Clinton, Mm -hmm. things that did not belong on the international stage. Any reactions since then from the firestorm the president is experiencing as he reacted to it? Well, uh, the president did record an interview uh, where he thought it was not a big deal. Uh, Mm. We have gotten a lot of reaction from Republicans and Democrats. But uh, I also look at headlines around the world, Bud, which are very interesting today. Russia, of of course, is kind of downplaying things, but they say Putin outmaneuvered Trump. Al Jazeera in the Middle East says Putin triumphs over Trump. My favorite headline is coming from the South China Morning Post, which is out of Hong Kong. This morning, their headline says Trump's wet kiss to Putin seals a new world order. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. News Radio 1025 correspondent Bill Zim for working the foreign desk on this big story we've been all over this morning. Bill, thank you for coming on. My pleasure, bud. All right. Good deal. Now, how do you see this? I'm sorry. I'm on the Trump train and I I will continue to be. But I think it was a major derailment here. I really do. It's amazing how few of you agreed with me earlier in the show but I'd like some fresh callers or texters on this, I'll tell you three ways we might explain what the president said there and how soft he went on Putin and the election meddling issue in public. I can only think of three reasons why he would have done that. I'll share them with you in a moment. I'd love to get your take as well, 407-916-5400. You can go to the text line. It's never busy. Wide open at 23680, but of course, standard message and data rates apply there. Okay? So as I analyze this Trump train derailment as I see it, earlier in the show, I told you I can only think of three possible explanations for why normally tough-in-your-face Trump would have done such a schmooze job with tough guy Vladimir Putin. And one of them speaks to the the, the tone set by that post-summit Um, a tweet that I just read in the headlines, that it's all about the open dialogue continuing between the two nations and nothing is worth risking that. I don't buy it because we need to get along with our allies, but it doesn't stop Trump, and I support him in this, from punching the NATO countries in the face when they need it. You know, it's not personal, it's just business. Classic Trump. The open dialogue thing, it just doesn't fly with me. Yaffe and I tend to rally around a second possibility that the president, if he gets on Putin's case about meddling in the election, he's conceding that they did, and then it may look like he wouldn't have been president without Russia's help and his ego can't handle that. Then the third one that is the darkest, most daunting 
and I hope and pray it is not so, that Putin has something compromising on Trump, or Trump has come to believe he does and knows he needs to step lightly with him so Putin doesn't let the cat out of the bag. As a matter of fact, a question along those lines was posed yesterday to a reporter, or by a reporter, asking Putin whether the Russian government has any compromising material on Trump or his family. Here is Putin's response. Yeah, I did heard these rumors that we allegedly collected compromising material on Mr. Trump when he was visiting Moscow. Well, distinguished colleague, let me tell you this. When President Trump visited Moscow back then, I didn't even know that he was in Moscow. I treat President Trump with utmost respect. But back then, when he was a private individual, a businessman, nobody informed me that he was in Moscow. Well, please, just disregard these issues and don't think about this anymore again. But he didn't really answer the question. That's the one I don't want to be the truth, Yaffe. I just don't want that to be so. Well, yeah, the ramifications of that would be stunning, would be really bad. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the wake of this? And check the test line, text line, forgive me, one final time, if you will. All I know is a lot of uh, Trump supporters are defending Trump today. If Obama had said similar things or the same thing, those people would be outraged. In fact, I bet Trump would have been outraged. There's so, no question yeah. about that. And that's something for those of you who circled the wagon um, and argued with the Bud Man earlier on this, you might want to give that some serious thought. You raise a great point. And the text line says what? Yeah, one person says uh, Trump looked like a weak puppy in front of Putin. It was a sad day. But another person said this is a much ado about nothing. And I've had a lot of people today say we just need to trust Trump. This is his art of the deal. He knows what he's doing. A lot of texts say that today. Yeah, well, I'm still on the Trump train, okay? But I still consider that a derailment. You know, trains can get back on the track. So can this. This one, I, I, I just think it's a problem. I really do. Yaffe, we're going to miss you. You're going to take some well-deserved vacation time. You're going to a city we used to call home, Music City, USA. Yeah, I'm going to go to Nashville. My brother just moved there, so I'm visiting him. I don't know what I'm going to do while I'm up there, though, so we'll see. Lots of great Civil War history, country yeah. music, Grand old Opry, all kinds of cool stuff, Second Avenue, the Riverfront. It's a great town. Have a great time. We'll catch you next week. Thank you. All right. That'll do it. Tom Benson will be in for Yaffe tomorrow morning. For Deb, for Yaffe, for Steph, the Bud Man, thank you. God bless you and God bless America.